I've been here in space and I've fallen in love with our planet even more than before. Welcome to Radio Davos and on this episode we're coming to you live from space. The International Space Station, we launched this project 21 years ago and people have been living here ever since. Speaking to the World Economic Forum's Davos Agenda event from the International Space Station, astronaut Matthias Maurer tells us just what is it they do on that tin can that's whizzing around the world every 90 minutes. People from a lot of different nations, different languages, different cultures and it works. We all work together, we are one team and I wish we could extend this cooperation the success to many more projects, especially to the very important projects like fighting climate change. Astronauts are busy people conducting experiments in space that could be a force for good back here on Earth. But sometimes they just look out of the window on what is a beautiful but can be a worrying sight. When we fly around the Earth 16 times a day, I can see scars on our planet Earth where people dig deep into our planet just to extract resources. So we're actively reshaping our planet. We are cutting down trees, we're burning down rainforest. So I see the flames and I see huge areas of agriculture where generations of astronauts before had seen intact rainforest. Radio Davos is the podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks at the world's biggest challenges and how we might solve them. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a rating and a review view and join us on the World Economic Forum Podcast Club on Facebook. I'm Robin Pomeroy at the World Economic Forum and with this view of the Earth from space. Our planet Earth, it's one big spaceship. This is Radio Davos. Right now, about 250 miles above your head, the International Space Station is whizzing by at five miles a second. Look up, you might even see it. Among the crew on board is Matthias Maurer, a 51-year-old materials scientist from Germany who's been in space for the last couple of months for the European Space Agency, ESA. During a session at the virtual Davos meeting, the Davos Agenda, Matthias was patched in via Mission Control in Houston to speak live to a panel that included Al Gore, the former US Vice President, turned climate change campaigner. So in this interview with New York Times Deputy Managing Editor Rebecca Blumenstein, Matthias speaks a lot about climate change, but he also takes us on board his spacecraft to show us what it is an astronaut does all day, with fascinating insights into the vital research he undertakes, and also how he fights the damage that space travel can do on the human body. Rebecca began by asking Matthias how his views of the planet had changed since he'd seen it from space. Yes, I traveled the planet once before, like it was around the world trip, and that was always my big dream. And um, this, like seeing the world changed my life and it gave me a lot of different attitudes, like how we should um, work with, with our planet and the people on our planet. But now being in space, and especially this morning when I did my sports activity and while doing sports, I can look out of the window and I see down there our planet gliding by. It's, I saw uh, Latin America, South America gliding by and a few minutes later, less than 10 minutes, we were over Africa. And it crossed my mind that uh, Christopher Columbus took this journey just in the opposite direction um, like 500 years ago. And for him, it was a really tough adventure. And he had his three ships and his crew and everyone needed to work hard to make this one challenge uh, possible. And nowadays I look at from space down there. And for me, like space is uh, like um, our planet Earth. It's one big spaceship. And I think like the tripulation, the crew of our spaceship Earth, it's like the crew of a ship of Christopher Columbus at that time. We all need to work together in order to uh, meet the challenges of our day, like climate change, for example. So uh, I've been here in space and I've fallen in love with our planet even more than before. 
And how does the work that you do help the environment? And what would you say to some people who say we're focusing a bit too much on space and not enough on the Earth? Yes, I think like space cannot be the only solution to uh, have a solution for climate change. But space is definitely a very, very important aspect. And I see, I see three different layers to it. For example, like we have the personal layer, like every individual needs to contribute. And space is a big motivator. When I talk to the kids, I can motivate them and I can describe what I see. And um, we also have the technological layer. For example, we need to improve our technology to uh, create less CO2, to have more efficient machinery, more efficient transport. And here on the space station, we do a lot of research to produce these new and innovative materials. And there's also the political level. And uh, I think you are today there in the political level discussing such problems. I think you, the political um, um, decision makers, they need to have the data. And the, the data comes from satellites. And it also comes um, from the science um, that we do in space. For example, we look at the Earth with the satellite data that we provide to you, but we also prepare exploration. And exploring space means also looking at different planets, like planet Mars, for example, who used to have an atmosphere and, 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 and a lot of water, but now the water is gone. So obviously there was an extreme climate change over there. And so space can bring in a lot of knowledge and feed all this um, information into the decision maker so that you can take the right decisions. What, what is your goal for this, this week or month up there? I'm working here during six months in space and I would say like between 100 and 150 experiments um, I will be participating in. And it's a large spectrum. For example, it involves a lot of life sciences. You all know that humans in space and zero gravity, that it has a lot of changes. Um, the muscles uh, and the bones like they dissolve and get weaker. And that is much, much faster than on planet Earth. So actually, like the loss of bone mass happens up to 30 times faster than on the ground. And so astronauts are kind of guinea pigs and we can study in a very controlled environment um, in a very fast way, a very fast program like how to fight such diseases that can be done by nutrition, by medication, but also by doing sports. And I have a very interesting experiment, which is called myotones. And in this uh, um, experiment, I can measure the strength of several muscles on my body. And then we feed this information back to the scientist who then prescribe us uh, countermeasures. For example, I have a suit that provides me small electroshocks. Um, and it also comes from rehabilitation. And this all will feed back and help elder people who, uh, um, like, uh, who have problems uh, with their body, like muscle problems, bone problems problems to uh, like remain longer time fit and healthy or once they are in hospital maybe to get out quicker from the hospital. But I also have um, very interesting experiments that are correlated to um, like, like the pandemic, for example, like corona pandemic. We all know transmission of diseases is, um, is a very important topic. And I have here uh, new metals, new um, alloys that I brought to space that are modified on the surface and that I kill bacteria. And uh, especially here in space with the space radiation, the mutation rate of bacteria or like microbes is faster. 
And so uh, the scientists will learn a lot how these new surfaces behave here in space in this controlled environment. They can analyze it and hopefully we can transfer this knowledge also then into everyday life, for example, in hospitals where surfaces that everyone touches and then it's like a, a surface that is prone to transmit these microbes from one uh, infected person to the next healthy person and infect them, that we can um, stop this chain and cut this chain. So it's very important then we have Simon, which is artificial intelligence. Once we fly further away from the Earth, I will not have my Houston ground control team or in, in Munich in the European ground control team who looks over my shoulders and steps in if I do a small error or if I have a question. So artificial intelligence is really important for exploration um, in space, but also on the ground it's very important also to increase efficiency um, in all like ways of transport or also space transport management. Then uh, we have uh, experiments that are also related to uh, reduction of CO2. We have concrete hardening, a very interesting experiment that looks into a uh, seemingly very old material, concrete, uh, which we have every, everywhere around us, but not in space usually. And, um, but during the production of concrete, we produce a lot of CO2. And so if we can improve this process by a better understanding of the process, we can actually cut down also the CO2 emissions and that will be very significant. You sound very busy. I would love to hear your views about space tourism. Do you think it's a good idea for more people to have the experience you're having now? And I would also love to know, what do you do for sport up there, for sports? Yeah, for sports, we're not playing football here for sports, but uh, uh, we have three uh, different devices. One is like running, it's like a treadmill. So I'm running, but actually I'm chained down to this machine that puts me with a certain force on there. And um, so the force that I have here is uh, like almost like the gravity force on Mars. So I'm always having my Mars jog here on the space station. Then we also have a bicycle, a bicycle without a saddle because we don't sit, we just float there. And we do a lot of the, the work just with the legs, like pulling and pushing. Uh, that's for like, um, like cardio activity. But then we also need to do sports that tells a lie to our body, nam namely like uh, telling like you need your bones and you need your muscles. So we need to do uh, weightlifting. And obviously in zero gravity, you don't lift any weight. But we push against a pressure that has the same effect like weightlifting on the ground. And that is very, very important. And since we have this new machine, like the health status of astronauts in space has become much, much better. So, um, and, and the other question, remind me please again. A space tourism, do you think it's a good idea for more people to have the experience of, 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 of looking at the Earth the way that you get to every day? Yes, obviously space tourism is like, it's a two-sided knife. It has one positive side, like the more people fly to space, the more ambassadors we have that hopefully come back to our beautiful planet Earth and say like, we need to take care of our planet. We need to reduce the emissions. We also need to stop everything that I see here from space and that makes my heart bleed, like like a burning rainforest or like the, the melting of the glaciers. All these phenomena we can see here from space, also the flooding last week in Brazil that we could observe here from space that are clearly evident. And I think everyone who's been only a few days in space will become a really avid ambassador for, for our planet Earth and to protect it in the future. On the other hand, um, the more people we fly up here, the more um, rocket launches we will also have. And so we create also waste and space debris. And here that's a very important topic 
because on our planet Earth, we ignored for way too long that the open seas, the oceans that don't belong to any country are still important. So we shouldn't like put our oil there or our garbage there because in the end it will end up in the food chain and we had to learn this. And the same happens now here in space. We fly to space or like or we have been flying to space for five, six decades. And um, now we see that every time we launch a vehicle to space, we leave space debris and that um, piles up. And in the end, um, either we actively clean space or we will have the same problem that we have on the ground with too much garbage. And um, like people get annoyed by it here, it actually gets a safety issue. Um, and so we need to take measures to make sure that space is clean and accessible also in the future for everyone. Because you will not want to live in a world where space is not longer accessible. Our economy, our daily lives depends way too much on everything that we have here in space. With all the new satellites and the space debris you mentioned, is it becoming dangerous to orbit the Earth in the International Space Station? Joseph was saying earlier that there was, a, there was an incident uh, recently where, where you actually had to take shelter. Yes, so we had always had like space debris issues. It comes from the early rocket launches, but it's also we have natural space debris because there's also like stuff coming from the universe and entering the atmosphere and that's passing also our orbits. And so um, space flight is risky, but if we take the right measures, I wouldn't say it's dangerous. Um, for the International Space Station, we have a lot of ground control teams that like measure the area and the space that we are flying in. And if there's any object coming close to us, um, we will take measures. So one measure could be that we do a debris avoidance maneuver, which usually means like we start up our engines and we lift the space station a little bit. Sometimes we also need to slow down and lower the orbit a bit just to dodge away from the object. Um, if the object comes on a very short notice, then we need to go into shelter, which means like we hide in our spacecrafts and close all the hatches between the different modules just in case that something happens. But I think uh, <clears throat> so far everything went well and the flight controllers have a very good situational awareness. But the more rockets we launch and the more stuff we bring up to space, I think we need to have rules, strict rules, um, who needs to do an avoidance maneuver uh, for example, if we have a, a collision upcoming between two satellites that can be actively controlled because everyone who uh, dodges to the side uh, burns energy and reduces the lifetime. So uh, basically, it's, it has also directly an economic impact to do so. And um, ESA is in a very good position and we have uh, like people, experts in ESA working in the Space Situational Awareness Program. Um, but I think that is a question that also Josef Aschbacher, uh, the Director General of ESA, will probably have mentioned already or will raise awareness again because it, it affects everyone, not only ESA or NASA. It's everyone who's active in space. You've talked a lot about cooperation. Just to wrap up, how do you think, if you're, if you're talking to, to people, we have a very global panel, there's people tuning in from around the world, how can we ensure cooperation on common rules for everyone on Earth for the beneficial use of space? Well, I think we can look at space. The International Space Station is really inspiring. I mean, we launched uh, this project 21 years ago and people have been living here ever since. Um, people from a lot of different nations, different languages, different cultures, and it works. We all work together. We are one team and, and I wish we could extend this cooperation, this success um, on to many more projects and also especially to the very important projects like fighting climate change. And um, so I think 
the uh, we can inspire people and say like look what we have achieved with the international space station and uh, let's go an additional step also in other topics climate change is obviously such an urgent uh, issue uh, here on earth you mentioned the fires and and sometimes the flooding that you see you you feel like you can actually just with your eye see the impact of climate change from space Yes, I mean, when we fly around the Earth like uh, 16 times a day, we cross over areas that are very arid, very dry, and I can see scars on our planet Earth where people dig deep into our planet just to extract resources. So we're actively reshaping our planet. We are cutting down trees, we're burning down rainforests. So I see the flames and I see huge areas of agriculture where like generations of astronauts before had seen a, a nice intact rainforest. So um, also the glaciers are getting smaller and smaller, but uh, I mean, the satellite photos provide here much better imagery for this one because you need to look into long term. And, and my six months here in space is probably a little bit too short, but also see areas of flooding. And uh, so we astronauts here, we can be communicators and communicate this to the people because data is one aspect, but having an ambassador who tells it is another aspect. And um, we are actually also contributing here in producing technology that hopefully is helpful against um, climate change. For example, we are preparing the exploration of the moon and Mars. And in order for this exploration, we need new technology. We um, need to have closed loop uh, chains, for example, the water loop. We recycle all the water that we have here on the space station up to roughly 91, 92%, I believe. But in order to be successful in exploration, we need to come up to 98%. So, and all this technology that we use and develop for space, we then spin off to the ground and then help to produce clean water on the ground and have more efficient like closed loop systems. And I think that's a very important aspect. And also like looking at energy production, we use solar energy here on the space station and solar energy has been like developed in the past quite a bit for space applications and now it's the game-changing technology also on the ground to fight climate change. Well I want to thank you so much for your time. We learned so much talking to you and uh, best of luck up there. You're doing very impressive important work. Take care. Well thank you very much for giving me the chance also to communicate about this very important work and uh, please keep on going discussing the very important topic about climate change and uh, we all need to contribute. All the best uh, for your very important work. Matthias Maurer was speaking to Rebecca Blumenstein of the New York Times at a session of the Davos Agenda. You can watch the whole thing on our website, weforum.org. We'll be back soon with a roundup of some of the best bits of the Davos Agenda. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast to ensure you don't miss that. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a rating or review. And if you have any questions or suggestions, join us at the World Economic Forum Podcast Club on Facebook. This episode of Radio Davos was presented by me, Robin Pomeroy, with thanks to Max Hall. Studio production was by Gareth Nolan. We'll be back soon, but for now, thanks to you for listening, and goodbye.